We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports sponsorship. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of our information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Alex Gonzalez. Alex is the marketing manager for 2020 Esports Awards finalists for Hardware Provider of the Year, Respawn Products. Respawn are the manufacturers of amazing gaming chairs and desks. He was previously the COO of esports organization Red Reserve, among others. Thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be on the podcast. You know, we're having in esports. So why esports? You know, the reason that it's very valuable brands is because one of the largest demographic of esports fans are male age 21 to 35. And these individuals are usually pretty hard to reach via traditional advertising, but are usually very valuable to the brands. So a brand can sponsor a gamer, a streamer, a content creator, a team organization, or an event league or tournament organizer. They're both endemic brands and non-endemic brands. You have endemic ones that are naturally part of esports and gaming, such as computer processors and gaming monitors and controllers and chairs and keyboards and you know, everything you use to actual game. Then you have the non-endemic ones, which is really everything else. So 
energy drinks, alcohol, beer, clothing, watches, sunglasses, motor vehicles, beauty, healthcare, really anything that's not, you know, a gaming component. And over the last couple of years, many non-endemic brands from Nike to Coca-Cola to Red Bull to Doritos to Mountain Dew to Gucci to Mercedes have begun to sponsor esports activations. So these kind of activations range very differently. They could be a sponsorship in kind where you just get free product from the brand in exchange for promotion, maybe discounts on expensive goods such as PC or other hardware, or they can be even more elaborate paid campaigns that could be for several months or years for thousands of dollars or more. There's also affiliate code arrangements where a brand may provide an individual with a code that provides them payment based on whoever uses their code. So then as part of these relationships, each party has deliverable. So as a talent, these are kind of the requirements of the activation. So the number and frequency of the social media posts, if you're going to be creating content, what the content looks like, maybe displaying the brand's logo on your social media, on your Twitch stream, on your overlay, or even you know live appearances at panels or conferences on behalf of the brand. So now we know a bit more about esports sponsorship. Tell us a bit about your esports and gaming experience. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've been part of the space for probably six, seven years at this point, and I've done just about everything from trying to compete myself to starting my own team, owning a few different teams, working for teams, consulting for teams, and um, about 18 months ago, switched over to the brand side, and I obviously work for Respawn now and handle a lot of their marketing endeavors, whether it be their sponsorships, their partnerships, oversee all of our social media, and a lot of other different pieces. Okay, so kind of how did you go from like the player and team ownership side to now the business side of it? Yeah, so I mean, probably back in, I want to say 2016, year could be wrong though, but uh, I didn't qualify for the Call of Duty regional qualifiers um, when I was competing. So instead of going myself, we ended up sponsoring a team and sending them. And that was kind of where I got my, my start behind the scenes per se and stopped playing probably within a year of that competitively. That was my, I guess, start. Okay, cool. So, like, what did it feel like to kind of transition from being a competitor in the tournaments to now watching people compete on your behalf? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, competing is always fun, but the next best thing is definitely being involved in a team that's competing. Um, Just like you see for professional sports, and the owners are always excited when their teams do well because, you know, if you can't be on the court, you might as well be cheering for the team. Right. And like when you own it, it's much better when we win. I mean, it has a direct correlation to, I guess, your own company. So, yeah. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about Respawn. Like, you know, what kind of products do you guys manufacture and what makes them so unique and special? Yeah. So uh, we, we have a background in office furniture. So our parent company is called OFM and they're based in Holly Springs, North Carolina. They've been doing office furniture for probably over 25 years at this point. So we really do make the highest quality of ergonomic gaming furniture rather than just, you know, grabbing a random design and throwing a name on it and calling it a gaming chair or a racing style chair or whatever. We actually, you know, look into the ergonomics of our products and make sure they're the highest quality. And outside of that, you know, we offer standard office warranties on them and all these other pieces. So, you know, you're not going to buy a chair and then it's falling apart six months later or a year later. 
outside of the chairs, um, you know, desks, rockers, recliners, and we'll be expanding to some other office accessories throughout 2021. Yeah, you know, it's like there's a difference between just like, you know, a computer chair and like, you know, a nice chair that has, you know, really sturdy that when you sit in it, you feel like you're sitting in, like you said, you know, living room, actual furniture chairs. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think the same thing goes for a lot of different stuff. It's like when you're a kid and you're playing at the park with a basketball, you think just any basketball is the same. But then when you go spend $80 on like a nice basketball, you're like, okay, wow, like I can never go back to a regular $20 basketball again. I think the same thing goes for chairs. It's like you just think all chairs are the same until you actually sit in a nice chair and you're like, wow, I want a cloud. Right. And then you just, especially for streamers and people that are sitting in for hours on end, it really makes a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, our chairs are meant to be affordable. Um, and I see a lot of people clowning the, the even higher end chairs that are like 1500 bucks and stuff. And it's like, but if you're going to be buying something that you're going to be sitting in for eight, 10, 12 hours a day, I think it's fully worth investing into it. I mean, they say the same thing about a mattress, right? You spend a third of your day in bed. Why are you going to cheap out on a mattress when it's going to last you so long? And same thing with a chair. Like a good chair will last you five years plus if you really invest into it. Yeah, and realistically, when you're sitting there at a screen and it's like everything in your hips and your lower back and your shoulders, it's like there's just a lot of wear and tear on it and strain. So if you're not positioned properly and supported properly, it could really be detrimental to you yeah definitely i mean even if you have the best chair in the world you should still be you know standing once an hour you know walk into the kitchen to get a drink walk into the break room walk into the bathroom like just you should never be sitting for these long extended periods of time you should at least try to stand up for two or three minutes and get a break okay awesome so you know tell us a little about some you know recent partnerships or brand ambassadors that you guys have been working with yeah, I mean, our, our most recent partnership that we just announced is working with the Esports Awards. So we, um, we had a partnership in the works with them for a while, and we decided to wait until after the hardware provider of the year nominations to announce that just to avoid any kind of eyes being on that and saying, hey, oh, they only got it because they're a partner. So we wanted to make sure that it was completely differentiated and people could see that you know, we're a, we're a finalist for the category and we're, you know, such big fans of the brand that we're also partners of the actual event. So we'll be sponsoring the eSports Play of the Year. That's awesome. So anything else more that you guys have been working on maybe on like, you know, the more talent side of the space? Yeah, uh, on the talent side, we work mostly with teams, not a lot of um, the standalone influencers, but it seems that, you know, a majority of influencers at this point have some sort of affiliation to a team um, with the exception of some of the really, really large ones. But, um, you know, we, we work with Atlanta phase, the Houston outlaws, and now we work with outside of the professional esports teams. We work with a lot of content creation and development teams, be it carnage clan or devour or some others that we haven't announced just yet. Awesome. So what do you kind of look for in potential partners on the you know, organization and team side and, you know, on the more talent side? Yeah, um, I mean, for us, it's really about finding partners. Um, we, we rarely, if ever, do any sponsorships. We really look for people that are going to reciprocate both ways. We'll never, um, you know, hand someone a check to sit in our chair and, and say things that aren't true about it. We look for people that actually enjoy our products, um, have tried them before, have heard of them before, and are interested in trying them. And they're going to just be, you know, strong brand ambassadors because they actually like it. I think the, 
the worst thing you can do is pay someone to say something they don't necessarily think is true or that I don't feel 100% um, confident in. So we, we definitely are looking for partnerships, not sponsorships there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important, especially in this esports and gaming space that the consumer really believes in authenticity. And, you know, just sitting in a chair with a thumbs up isn't what you want. You want someone that, you know, sits in it 18 hours a day and raves about how comfortable it is and how much better it is than the other chairs he's ever used and, you know, really kind of incorporates the unique benefits of the product into their life. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the the whole sponsorship thing and being inauthentic makes sense in certain scenarios. You know, when you think of like Pepsi or Coke or or some of these like, you know, just brands that are bigger than life. For them, it makes sense because their whole goal is just to kind of get that brand awareness and make sure they're in front of your eyes as much as possible. Um, you know, I don't think there's many influencers that are going to be advertising something like a Red Bull or a Monster. And then the person's going to learn about it because of that influencer. It's like they're just trying to consistently get in front of you. So for those, I think it's more of a plastering your logo on a billboard type of thing than it is an actual, hey, we want a back and forth partnership and we want to, you know, we want you to just be really genuine and authentic about the product. So obviously that helps, though. You know, if the person doesn't like your product, it's just not going to be as successful anyway. I mean, I think that's an important distinction that you bring up, you know, just kind of being there to have awareness and, you know, gifting and seeding and making sure people are using your product or drinking your product so that you're part of the conversation as opposed to people that are really trying to help bring awareness to the product to their fans and that people that might enjoy it but might not know about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a, a great example of that is like when you see like Kia or, or some of these other brands sponsoring like, NFL players or NBA players and it's like that's not really the car these guys drive because they're you know they're out there driving Ferraris and Corvettes and, and whatever they want to drive because they have the money to do so but it, Kia just wants to be associated with that player or that league and stuff like that so I think that's what a good example of a brand awareness campaign compared to an authenticity campaign. Now that football is back in full swing, you might not be the game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all your great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts and 2020 has reshaped how we work businesses across the globe are trying to be more efficient than ever so when every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other site helping you find quality candidates quickly indeed also gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring and you only pay for what you need you can pause your account anytime and there are no long-term contracts and now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, which is why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get back to the podcast.
Is there any kind of like certain <laughs> metrics or level of notoriety that you guys look for, or is it just kind of on a case by case basis? No, I think definitely case by case basis. And I think that we're getting past that stigma of, oh, you're not valuable unless you have 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers. Um, we're seeing a really, you know, big trend of micro influencers that even though they're averaging 50 viewers on Twitch, they're sitting at 2,000 subscribers because they have really dedicated fans that are willing to subscribe and give subscriptions and donate. And um, I think it's really uh, the word influencers used a lot, but, you know, there's a difference between getting a lot of views and actually being able to influence people. Right. I think that's another important kind of point you bring up where like, you know, you have these dedicated, you know, 2,000, 5,000, whatever it is, subscribers, those people that are actively willing to give you money just to have this access to you, just to support you where, you know, just kind of being able to click on YouTube and see a video. That's not the same kind of level of interaction and support. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, there are metrics then. It's not just superficial metrics like impressions or or likes or stuff like that. I think it really comes down to engagement rate. You know, if you're getting 100,000 views on your video, but you're only getting 2,000 likes on it on YouTube, it's like you're doing something wrong. So you're not really activating your audience the way you should be. You're giving them the right call to actions to show support and, and show, I guess, brands like us that, you know, people are fans of your stuff long term. and are fans of you not just clicking your stuff because it's clickbait or because they were interested in this one particular piece of content. So what kind of advice do you have? I know you kind of started to touch on it a little bit for an aspiring streamer or a team that's looking to work with, you know, your kind of brands or anyone's in particular. Um, as far as improving their content goes, I think that's really just on a case by case basis. But I mean, something I can probably touch up on is when they're reaching out to brands. Um, you know, we get a lot of emails that it's just like, hey, I want to work with you. And it's like we get so many of those that they just kind of get lost in the in the inbox. I think that the easiest way to reach out is like be very clear about what you're looking for. Just reach out and say, hey, I want to work with you. This is what the value I bring. This is what I want in return. Um, you know, just get the conversation started and save us the work of having to reach back out to you to find out what you actually want. And then what you're going to give us in return for it. But if you're doing the work for us, it makes our life easier, makes our job easier, then we're more likely to be interested in like giving you a, a discount code or an affiliate deal or a partnership or a sponsorship or whatever it is you're actually looking for. I think that's, you know, that gem right there really confirms everything that I've been telling to people. And I'm really glad you brought that up where it's like, you know, for brands, especially ones that are dealing with so much and on such a huge level, you need to kind of do the job for them. Give them some ideas on what you can bring, what you want to do, what it kind of looks like. That's not like an official offer, but it gives you an idea to framework what you're looking for. Is it, hey, I just want some product to do some tweets, or do I want to make this unique content that looks at your product versus other ones and kind of highlights the differences and similarities and no more of a price by price product analysis. So I think, you know, for everyone out there listening, that is, you know, a gem. Let's like highlight that again, where it's like, do his job, give him an idea of what you're looking at, what it looks like in action, you know, like, yeah, it's great. You want to work with my brand. That's awesome. But like, how do you want to work with it? Why do you want to work with us? Oh, because you used to have back problems. And since you've been using my chair, you notice a difference and, you know, it has a different level of arm support. So your, and your elbow hasn't been hurting, you know, give us the story of what makes you, you and why we should work with you. And that will make 
you more likely have an opportunity to potentially work with us or really any brand in general. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot of the time we have people that reach out through social and it's they're already doing half the work. They're just not, you know, fine tuning it. So they'll send me a, like a picture of their chair that they say, hey, like, this is my chair. It's really crappy. I don't like it. Like, I need, can you hook me up? It's like, if they just, you know, reworded that and sent it over through the proper channel instead of tweeting it at us and sending it like through the support or the sponsor form and just took a picture of their chair at their setup with like a caption of like, Hey, this is like the chair respawn just hooked me up with, you know, we would probably see them say, Oh, well, you know, if they're willing to take a free chair and post it in front of their setup and show it to all their followers and they have this amount of followers, like maybe there's some value there and we'd probably do it compared to just saying, Hey, this is my chair. Can you hook it up and change it to a new one? Like, Show us what you're going to do for us so that it makes sense. Don't make us think this process out for you. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, because like, like you said, you probably get hundreds. I, can't, I don't even know how many DMs and messages you get. I know that I was one in that box of probably eternity that just scrolls and scrolls. But yeah, know, essentially. But, but like you said, you have to identify the ones that make sense. And if they kind of say, hey, like, I'll share this and I'll make a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. you know unboxing it and putting it together so people can see how easy it is to put together and you know that is the stuff that you want to know about so that you can properly assess the value that they bring to you yeah and i mean on, on the flip side of that i think that one of the other worst things you can do is send me like 10 paragraphs and a 20 page pitch deck on on why you want to work with us it's like you know, we can't. We just don't have the time to look at that. You have to remember, there's just hundreds and hundreds of requests, and if everyone sent us one that big, we wouldn't get the chance. And I mean, we try to, but most of the time, once we get past that first paragraph, we're like skimming through, or, or we're past the third slide, we're spamming through the slides, and we don't really get the full piece to buy. So you're you're better off saving yourself some time and just you know condensing into one clear paragraph on, hey, this is what we want. You know, this is what we can offer. You know, I'd love to get in a call and and follow up for like. And then, you know, you're saving us time. You're making anytime you can make the person's job easier, they're way more likely to work with you. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, so I think, you know, you have to, you know, you can't do too little, but you can't, you can't do too much either. Right. You got to have this happy middle ground where it's like, you know, they say the elevator pitch where like, you got to tell me who you are, why I should talk to you and what the next step are pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think within like the first, 10 seconds usually i know if i'm going to even answer the email for a partnership or if i'm interested at all so it's like you have to just grab our attention right away um and the worst worst ones is like when they say hey can i ask you a question through like twitter dms or something or hey do you have a minute like because if you just you know we saw that message and now we have to go back and say yes and then we have to wait for you to respond it's like so many things can happen between then and getting to your point that if you just sent your point and were very clear straight to the point with it you would have probably gotten an answer whether it be a yes or a no you would have had an answer rather than this back and forth and being in limbo i mean i think that that kind of comes with the skill and the professional thing and kind of where i've been trying to stake my own aspect of being able to understand how you approach brands and as you go up the ladder people that make decisions they're just so busy and unless we're talking about lebron james and peyton manning and you know brad pitt and george clooney there's only so much time that people that are doing real stuff consistently can afford for the back and forth chit chat you have to kind of 
straight to the point. This is what my numbers are. This is a highlight about me. I'd love to get a chair and do a couple videos with it. Um, you know, reach out to talk more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that another one, and this, you know, a lot of us stay tuned in and active all the time. But if you message me at like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, I'm probably not working at that point. I don't really want to get to your message. So come the next day, it's like you already got pushed so far down the inbox that it's like you might not get an answer. So, you know, try to be smart about when you're messaging people and when you're reaching out to them. If there was just a really big announcement for their brand, you're not the only one messaging them saying, can I try the new product? So, like, what you should do is wait a few weeks and say, hey, I saw this product came out, you know, when the next one comes out, I'd be really interested in trying it or or stuff. Once the product's already out, it's like, it's too late for you to really get your hands on it and, and do some stuff with them and be a valuable asset. It's like, you really have to be ahead of the curve there. Okay. I mean, again, like Alex, I'm really impressed. Like, you know, you've really kind of just given some infinite wisdom that I really hope people that are, you know, whether you're working with a team or, you know, a talent or even an organizer, this is how you approach brands of this caliber that, you know, you have to kind of be very forward thinking and straight to the point and realize that, you know, time is money. And if you have to go back and forth and if you email me at 10 o'clock at night, you're probably not going to get a response that day. And if I have 20 more emails between then and when I answer them, like it just may get lost in the shuffle. So you have to be very strategic with when and how you reach out. Yeah, hundred percent there. And I mean, it's obviously really different brand by brand. Um, you know, if, if you, if there's a brand, like I'm going to use GFU as an example that does a lot of affiliates it's probably a lot easier to get a deal for, you know, hey, can you hook me up with a tub of G Fuel compared to, you know, reaching out to uh, to us for a chair or scuff for a controller and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree that as you kind of go up the product line, as they say, the deals kind of shift. The product is more expensive, so it has more of a value and also – you just kind of only have a certain supply of it where, you know, I know some of these more high-end products, you only make X amount of chairs. You're not going to make millions of each unit. It just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, and even with the bigger products come the shipping costs and, and all these other factors that go into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think affiliate chips make sense for a lot of people. I think they get a pretty negative stigma. People are like, oh, don't don't do work for a brand unless they're going to pay you and stuff like that. But you know, if you sh- if you come to me and I see that you already have a G Fuel code and a scuff code and a bunch of these other pieces, you know, it shows me that those brands trust you. So even if they didn't provide the value for you, now it's kind of it's kind of like building your resume, right? It's kind of like doing an internship almost. Now it's like, OK, well, they have experience working with other brands and trust them with my brand. I mean, I think, you know, as we're kind of going down the tunnel, like that's another amazing point that I've kind of brought up to a bunch of talent. Like, yeah, everyone would love to get a check from everyone, but there are also certain things that you work with these top flight brands. They trust you. They have a rapport with you. They know, okay, the content that he's going to put out on behalf of us is up to par for these other brands to continue to work with him. So I know that there's something real here. And I think that that's a really important point. 
And realistically, an affiliate code is kind of how you start developing a rapport with the brand where they can see what you actually can bring. Where if you have a code and you have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of people, your fans using that code, that's a really great indicator to a brand of, hey, there's something here. Like we need to figure out how we can continue to work with him and grow with him because obviously his fan base likes the product, likes the way he explains it. You know, whatever the way he's promoting us is working. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even if you don't have the affiliate code, I think we can just kind of speak into existence of like the same thing as when I said, show them what you're going to do. It's like, if you don't want to show them in a, in an email what you're going to do, then, you know, just do it. Just really post something like, hey, I really like this new G Fuel flavor. You should check it out. Go to gfuel.com. And, you know, even if you don't link a code because you don't have one, start putting these out there and, you know, start showing, you know, tagging respawn or not respawn, G Fuel partnership managers or people that you find on Twitter and these other networks and, and show them, hey, this is what I did. What do you think? Like, how can I improve this? And then you start building up that your kind of credibility as a brand ambassador before you, you even are a brand ambassador for them. Okay. I mean, like everyone better listen to this you know, podcast, I think that that's, you know, really another amazing point. And, you know, as I'm working with town, helping them develop their kind of own personal brands, that's something that I look at. I was like, let me see the post where you're, you know, holding the product or, you know, incorporating it into your life where you're kind of showing other brands how you do it. And okay, maybe you're holding G Fuel, but that doesn't mean Monster or Red Bull can't call me and be like, oh, wow, like, you know, Red Bull, they're not paying you, but we would love to pay you because, we think that the way you're showcasing the product is great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously when you get to those higher end brands, it does get a lot more complicated. Um, and, you know, it's going to take some time, but I think that, you know, landing a, a non-endemic brand is super helpful. If we see you working with a, a unique brand that we don't see in the space often, it's kind of like another check mark of approval. Just like we said, if we see you working with GPO and Scuff, that's like super cool. And, and, you know, we say, okay, well, those brands trust you. But if we see you working with like Sony or Red Bull, Red Bull's in the space, but, you know, a, a bigger brand like that, it's kind of like, okay, well, they see something in this creator. Maybe we should keep an eye on them and maybe that's who we should be targeting as well. And I think that works across the board for most brands. Like, well, why did... Red Bull work with them. Why? And then Monsters, like, oh, well, we should look into them when their contract ends. I think this, you know, the more brands you can affiliate yourself with without really overdoing it, the more value it adds to you and the more credibility it adds to your kind of persona. Okay, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. So let's kind of shift a little bit back to Respawn. So what's the future? You know, what are you guys kind of working on? I know you just announced what you're doing with the Esports Awards. Yeah, um, you know, I think that the the long term goal for the brand is to offer the whole solution for any gaming setup. So if you have an empty room, that will be able to do everything from top to bottom. That's not really like an electronic component. So you know, the chair, the desk. Um, my mind goes to you know headset stands and and other type of furniture esque stuff like Green that. Screens. No comment. <laughs> Well, I hope so, because there aren't enough of these people that are really kind of like I would say almost like the sharper image for gamers and streamers and kind of like, you know, you're always like the regular product and you have like the sharper image, more high end, unique 
like high end products that the real consumers and the real aficionados use. So, and I think that there's definitely a space there if you kind of have good price products that are also, you know, reliable and you don't have to worry about, like you said, the chair breaking after three months of you sitting in it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that the space is only going to grow more and more. And I feel like, you know, five years ago, everyone wanted to be a YouTuber. And then like two years ago, everyone wanted to be a streamer. And now everyone wants to, you know, be a podcaster. And then three months ago, everyone wanted to be a TikTok star. So it's like, people are just going to continue getting into more and more ways to create content. And, um, you know, it, in one way or another, it kind of ties back into gaming and this whole social media and content creation space. Well, you know, I will say that I was a podcaster, you know, I'm going over a year now. So I was a little bit before that couple curve. Curve, a little bit, yeah. you know, I'm not a visionary, but you know, I, I saw the value in this unique content and, you know, kind of bringing this knowledge that I have from the business world and the legal side of the industry and connecting it with people from different areas that are kind of working on it, you know, on the day-to-day basis. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm curious what the, you know, where podcasts kind of go from here. And I think we're going to see a lot more short form content around it. As far as, you know, we see the teams already doing these interviews where they sit their guys down for YouTube content. And they asked them about how the match went. And it's kind of like a post event documentary type thing. I think we'll kind of see podcast content like that with teams and more short form stuff where it's just getting in the player's head and finding out how they feel about the season so far and the meta and, and stuff like that when it comes to esports. Right. And that's kind of like kind of mirrors traditional sports a little bit where like, you know, you have the Jets weekly report where like they interview the coach and all the players and they talk about the upcoming week and it's you know, a recurring weekly segment. Yeah, I mean, you even have the post-game conferences, which are like, what, 15 to 20 minutes at most? I mean, it's it's pretty much a podcast already when you look at, you know, after NBA games and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think I don't see why we wouldn't start seeing that for esports and then it gets posted an hour after the match. So you could feel how the player felt about it. And we're going to have to start seeing that win or lose because we see that a lot for traditional sports but for esports there's this like stigma found don't interview players after they lose which i don't understand I mean, you know we, we want to see both sides of the coin not just winning emotions yeah i mean i've had you know a bunch of different reporters and writers and journalists in the space on and you know that's kind of been a big discussion of you know how the whole process works you know the media the team rep might not want the players to talk to you after but let's be real it's a lot more exciting to talk to someone after they lost most of the time than when they won. And I think that if you go back in sports history and even entertainment history, you know, how the loser reacts to something and, you know, just the disbelief or the shock is, you know, part of the story. Like, as you mentioned, you kind of have to see both sides of the coin or, you know, it's just, you're really kind of shorting the fan. Gets boring after a while just seeing wins. Right. We know the winners are happy. We get it. Like, why wouldn't you be happy? Yeah, I mean, I, whenever someone makes a really good play uh, and we look at the broadcast, it, I, I want to see the losing reaction as well, but it always just cuts the winning reaction. Um, I think right. you've seen a lot of that in traditional sports of like, you know, when the, when the Patriots won on the goal line interception and you see like the Seahawks on the sideline all reacting or when Kawhi hit that game-winning shot and the 76ers are all walking off the court with their heads down like, I think, you know, some of these shots we see in traditional sports, we should have had for esports, and we rarely do. 
it'd be great to you know see more of that in the future yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, I always have this image of, you know, Chris Webber walking off after they just, you know, he made that play. And it's just like him was like crying with his head over his jersey. And it's like, yeah, like I remember that more than what happened on the court because the emotion and the passion, you just see how much it means to them and them losing. When let's be real, once you get to this top level of whether you're a game or you're an athlete, like you don't lose. You rarely lose. It's like there has to be – real subtle reasons why you lose at this level considering the amount of time and strategy and practice that you put into it yeah i know definitely um so i think i think that we'll start mirroring traditional sports in some ways like that and then i guess you know there's some ways in traditional sports that we're already mirroring which is like we've had a lot of people in the industry talk about how they don't necessarily need us to be going on tv or having esports broadcasted on tv to be successful and i know maybe like five years ago four years ago it was like that was the goal for most leagues and most esports. Like, oh, we want to be on ESPN too. But as time has gone on, I think a lot of them have started to think maybe that's, you know, not what we need to grow this long term. We're perfectly fine with Twitch and YouTube and, and all these different live streaming options as people start cutting cable and, and viewing more streams anyway. Like, you know, I watch everything on YouTube TV. I haven't had cable for like two years now. Wow, I mean, I, I definitely have my cable and my, you know, all that going on, but I definitely can understand why people have kind of shifted towards this non, you know, cable subscription model. You, you got to make the switch. It's at the end of the day, it's like it's lower cost and you get all the same content. I think everything's switching to that kind of subscription streaming model. And people have like they have Netflix and Hulu and YouTube TV and that's what they use. Right, and it's like forty bucks or thirty bucks instead of two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure cable works for some people, but I think we're seeing like long term a lot of people trying to transition away from it. And I know that like recently, I think AT and T launched their own streaming competitor to their TV platform just so they can retain some piece of the pie. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes kind of long term. Yeah, I mean that's really interesting. So you know, we're kind of I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? I mean, I, I mostly watch Call of Duty, I'd say. Um, but I think probably the best viewing experience is CSGO. I don't watch a lot of it, but I think it's probably the best game to watch, but not my favorite. Okay, so you know, what's your favorite game to play? Back to Call of Duty. Call of Duty, so you've been playing a lot of Warzone? Yeah, yeah, I think they finally they got something to... Um, to mirror Fortnite's success in the Battle Royale category. And I think that that's really going to help their esports viewership long-term as more people are just tuning into the, the game and the franchise and all these different pieces. Right, just like another component in the Call of Duty, you know, competitive landscape. Yeah, yeah. So now you have Warzone, and then you have the COD League, you have the public match and, and all this stuff. You have, like, all these sniping content that gets produced that people are really big fans of. And then you have Zombies. I mean, there's just so many different pieces in Call of Duty now, and, and while all of those kind of grow themselves successfully, I think eventually it ties back into esports success for the game in some way or another. Awesome. So, you know, who's your favorite video game character? Mario, Luigi, Pikachu, you know? That's a good question. I don't think I've gotten that one before. First one that went to my head's Kirby, but... Okay, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. we talking in a while from now, it'll change, but that's the first one that popped in my head. Okay, I mean, I'm de I definitely see the value in Kirby. He's a cute, lovable guy that can kick your ass. So that's always, 
you know, a nice little dichotomy you have there. I, I suck at Smash, but that's my that's my go to character there. I, I suck people in, then I jump off the edge and and drop them off. It probably doesn't work against good players, but that's what I used to do when I was little. <laughs> nice, yeah. These pros, you know, they're another level, but everyone else, hey, you know, they're gonna fall for it. Yeah, the fighting games are a whole different beast, man. Those games are insane how calculated and how they they have the game down to code pretty much and frame by frame on how to combo and stuff yeah you know it's definitely amazing what you know the level of these competitors and that's why you know i was so excited when i kind of got into it and you know obviously you've kind of been bored and bred in it coming from the competitive side to now the the business you know other side of the whole industry so you know thank you for joining us this was extremely insightful and you know, I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate your time. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, um, so I mean, you can find Respawn at Respawn Products on all socials. And then you can find me at Alex Geologics, G-L-O-G-I-C-S. Awesome. So, you know, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q. And check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.